How's everybody doing? Today we're going to be going through part two of our little introduction to logic. So in part two, we're going to be going over the distinctions regarding ideas. So this is going to follow from uh, what we discussed last time concerning simple apprehension and phantasms. These are going to be uh, thinking about those ideas or notes which are formed by the process of sim uh, simple apprehension and how they are distinguished when we're uh, working in the real world, uh, attributing them to certain objects or certain uh, species or certain classes or, um, or anything of that nature or classes, technically uh, genus, but we're, we're, and then also how to categorize. That's what we're going to be going to basically all the distinctions you need to know uh, regarding how different ideas relate to one another. This is probably really the crux of the of a course on logic everything is just going to flow uh, and is implicitly contained in this so first we distinguish between concrete and abstract ideas so concrete ideas refer to a definitive subject or a quality belonging to a certain subject so for a definitive subject it's this person that rock if i want to think about my fish uh, as a definitive concrete subject i can think of aquinas uh, Aquinas is the name of my fish, if you didn't watch last episode, or a quality belonging to a certain subject. So heavy man, black dog, or stupid fish, although my fish is not stupid. So when it comes to abstract ideas, we are going to... Uh, it. So with abstract ideas... <coughs> sorry. With abstract ideas, we're going to first logically consider a certain subject. So um, we're going to look at Aquinas the fish. And then we're going to pull out what is universal from my fish. So we may think of the blueness of my fish. We may think of the fishness of my fish. We may think of various different aspects, the beauty of my fish, wherein we contemplate the abstract idea of beauty. But there are certain qualities which are taken from definitive subjects. So that's the difference between a concrete idea and an abstract idea. So also we can distinguish between singular, particular, and universal ideas. So with singular uh, ideas, it refers to a definitive singular object. So this book, or this fish, or Aquinas the fish, that's the singular definitive object which we're referring to in that idea. Or we may have a particular idea, which may also be singular. So a particular idea may refer to one object. I probably use singular in the wrong sense uh, there, not to confuse you, because singular refers to something which is definitive. But uh, a particular idea may be one undetermined uh, subject, so it, uh, object. So it may be a fish. So with a singular idea, it's the fish. But with a particular idea, it might be a fish, some fish, five fish, three fish but it will never be a determined singular fish. Do you understand that? Okay, let's continue. So when it comes to universal ideas, universal ideas don't specify any objects. Rather, it just specifies what's called the note, which is particular to many objects, no matter how much they differ in other respects. So something like substance would be a universal. Something like a man would be a universal. Something like fish would be a universal. Something like animal would be a universal. It's specifying all of the objects which are verified with a certain note. So 
uh, when in, in the example I gave, uh, animal and rational are notes common to all men. They're conceived in the universal idea of man, and each of them corresponds to a universal idea. So we just say man. We are uh, referring to everything, uh, every single individual, uh, which is which has um, the notes animal and rational verified in it. Okay, let's continue. Now, when it comes to these universal ideas, it is going to be very, very important. These universal ideas can be predicated in five different ways. And this is going to be kind of the if this lecture was the crux of logic, this specific um, discussion of universals is the crux of the lecture. So a universal can be predicated in five ways. First one is predicated to all in a class in exactly the same sense, expressing the whole nature. This is the essence regarding the note or species regarding the class for man, rational and animal. So in the in the first way, it expresses the whole whole nature. It's very important. So rational animal expresses the whole nature of man. This is also called the essence of man. So in logic, when we use the term essence, we're really, uh, we're really bringing up all of the notes or really the definition of a certain thing is its essence. So that's the first way in which a universal can be used. The second way is, um, you, uh, is predicated to all the class in exactly the same sense except it only expresses a part of what it, which is also found in others. So uh, this is called the genus. So when we think of a man, uh, his essence is a rational animal. That is in the first sense. In the second sense, we would think of animal because animal is shared in other classes as well. And this is referred to as the genus because it's shared with others. So the genus of man is animal. His essence is rational animal. And now third, it's as above. So predicated to all in a class in exactly the same sense, but it expresses the part not found in others. And this is called the specific difference. And, the, and in man, it's rational. So if it expresses the essence, it's rational animal. The genus is animal. And the specific difference is rational. And specific difference, if you want... Uh, if you want it to be uh, a little bit more helpful, um, specific is like species because it expresses what differentiates the species. So the species uh, of, of humans is going to be uh, rational animal. So man is the species. The genus is animal. So the species is the individual, the animal, uh, really the, uh, the individual group and the species is the class in which others, uh, other species partake in. This sort of language uh, is, is, is also carried on in, in biology. So it can be helpful to, uh, to think of it in that sense. Now, there can also be a fourth way. And the fourth way is actually a bit, uh, a bit difficult for a lot of people to understand. I've had most people, uh, it, this isn't as, um, as important to understand the fourth. So don't, don't worry if you can't exactly grasp the sense of what I'm saying. Uh, but it still is a class that we can classify. So fourth as above, uh, that means uh, every, uh, every uh, individual in a class in the exact same way, but something can uh, necessarily flow from the essence of the idea without being an essential attribute. So something's necessarily contained and will be contained and flows from the essence, but it is not included as part of the essence. So, uh, for example, the power of speech flows from the idea of rationality, but isn't rationality. 
And an all, another example is risibility. Uh, risibility is um, the ability to laugh. So every when we consider the idea of rational animality, from the essence flows the fact that that rational animal will be able to laugh. But it isn't contained in the essence because uh, the ability to speak, the ability to laugh, none of that is rationality as such. It's only connected with it necessarily. So this is going to be called a property of the essence. And again, this isn't uh, too necessary to know, uh, but it is uh, nice to know as uh, for, for classification. So this is how uh, Copens is going to describe it. I thought it was helpful to include this chunk in there since it's such a difficult concept. The use of them may be accidentally impeded, as is that of reason itself and the infant and the idiot, that, that is uh, um, somebody who doesn't have complete control of the rational faculties, but they belong to human nature as such, as distinct from other natures, and are therefore properties of man, proper or peculiar to man. Properties need not be conceived in order to apprehend the nature from which they flow. Thus, to conceive man, I do not need to think of his risible power. So it really has to do with those essential uh, notes whereby he's distinct from the rest of the genus or uh, the, the genus which he is in. That, that's really all you need to you need to think about. And sorry, I think somebody's shooting outside. Uh, that's what happens when you're in rural America. And then uh, fifth, it can be accidental. And I'm sure everybody uh, kind of understands this concept of accidental. E.g. American, an American man, a white man, a tall man, uh, etc. So things that are accidental, uh, it, can, it can vary within a certain species. And it's uh, usually compared to something which is essential. So you can be a non-American man. You can be an American man. You can be a white man. You can be a non-white man. You can be a tall man. You can be a short man. But you can't be a non-rational man. Uh, that's the difference between something which is accidental versus something which is essential. And then I thought this note from uh, Copens was a bit uh, funny. So all men are larger than ducks, and yet if a dwarf should be born, who when fully grown should be not so large, being nevertheless a rational animal, he would be truly a man, his peculiar size only being an accident, not a property of his essence. So even in accidental things, it can be shared by the whole species. So the fact of being larger than duck. That is uh, shared by all uh, men in their maturity, but uh, it's not something which is essential uh, to conceive when thinking of our species, our essence. And it's also not a property of the essence, something which flows uh, from our essence. There's nothing about being a rational animal that precludes uh, being smaller than a duck. It's something which is accidental. Okay, now after this, uh, genus and species. So we have... Um, We've already went a bit into uh, genus and species with uh, thinking about the first and second sense uh, in which something could be used, or no, really the second and third sense in which something could be used. But uh, genera uh, themselves can be classed in a genus if they share the same notes. So if we think about our species, which is rational animal or man, our genus, which is... Um, which is animal, above our genus of animal, we can think of even higher uh, genuses or genera is technically the term. 
For example, animal is included in uh, the substance. Substance is a category which includes uh, the idea of animal. So uh, in the example I give is that brutes, are, which are irrational animals, and animals are both classed under the genus animal. And this is called a higher genus. So we have a higher uh, genera in which we're included under, and then lower genera. And then we're going to get into the porphyrian tree, and this is going to make a lot more sense, but I'm getting into a little bit of the logic behind it. So if a species cannot be divided any further, if it's man, it is called the lowest species. So the lowest you can go in dividing uh, from genuses is species. There's no species contained within, uh, within uh, man. We, we don't have any uh, different uh, species of man, just like there are different species of animal. And then the genus right above... Uh, <clears throat> right above the species, I wrote genus, I don't know why I didn't write species, but the <clears throat> genus right above the species is called the proximate genus. So the proximate genus of man is, <clears throat> sorry, I, something in my throat. The, the proximate genus right above man is animal. And then all of the genuses above, um, above uh, man, I mean above animal, and below substance, which is the highest genus, are called subaltern genera. And this is going to make a lot, I promise that sounded very confusing, but this will make a lot more sense when we get to the porphyrian tree. So this is a porphyrian tree right here. So if you go all the way down here to the trunk, which is the, the lowest part, we have substance. That is the highest genus right there. Now, substance contains two species, incorporeal substance and corporeal substance. So uh, broadly speaking, non-bodily and bodily substance. Now, this species corporeal substance is really called a body. Now, a body is a subaltern genus. Uh, genus. It is a genus below the highest genus. So this itself is a genus with two species. This uh, is a category with two things in it. So organic and inorganic. There can be an organic body and inorganic body. Now, an organic body is called an organism. And an organism is itself not only a species, but it's also a genus called, again, a subaltern genera, genus. And this can have two species itself, insentient and sentient. And a sentient organism is an animal or you could go an insentient or, uh, organism if you want to think about a plant. But a sentient organism is an animal. And an animal itself is not a subaltern genera because there's no genuses below animal. Rather, it's the proximate genus. And this proximate genus can have two species, rational and irrational. And a rational animal is down here to man. And man itself is not a genus. Rather, man is the species. And this species can have multiple individuals. So Paul, Peter, Horace, Cicero, Washington. But if you look at these individuals, they're also under all of these different genera too. Because uh, Paul is a man, but Paul is also an animal. Paul is also an organism. Paul is also a body. Paul is also a substance. So these genuses really recapitulate everything which is below it. So that's, uh, that's going to be a good visualization uh, when you think of this idea of um, of genus and species, to look at the uh, porphyrian tree. 
So now let's think about comprehension and extension. So comprehension is going to be the total number of notes included in an idea. So if we go back here for body, body, it includes two notes, the note of corporeal and the note of substance. Now, if we look at man, man includes a lot of notes. So man has a really big comprehension. Body has a very small comprehension because man includes substance, corporeal, organic, sentient, rational. So it has all of these notes in it. So we can describe man not only as a rational animal, but if we wanted to be uh, include all of the notes, we could say a corporeal, organic, sentient, rational substance. That is what a man can be described as if we wanted to be extremely technical, because there's a lot of notes. There's a big comprehension to it. And then the on the flip side, we also have extension. So extension is the total number of individuals. I said or, that should be of. The total, num total number of individuals included in an idea. So the extension of substance here is everything. Substance is a very large extension. If you go all the way up, down, all the way up the trunk to here to man, Man has a very small extension. There's only a few individuals up here. But with substance, everything is extended. Uh, everything is included in. So uh, thinking about the relationship between the two, the greater the comprehension, the less the extension. This is kind of self-evident. The more notes you add, the more specific you get, the, the, less, the, uh, the less individuals be included in the class. But the... Uh, the less specific you get, the more will be included in a class. So, for example, you think about Americans. Americans has a very large, uh, very uh, large extension, but a very low comprehension. There, it's not going to tell you much that I'm an American. There's a lot of Americans. It doesn't tell you much. But if I said, uh, and I will not, these are not real um, uh, location markers because I'm not giving out my uh, location as such. But if I said I was a uh, Texan near Dallas, that is that includes uh, really uh, three notes to it. It includes American, it exclude, includes Texan, it includes Dallas. That tells you a lot more about me. Now, I could say other things. I could say I'm a white Texan from near Dallas. I could say I'm a white male Texan from near Dallas. I could say I am a... Um, a white uh, Texan from near Dallas in my 20s, born in June, who is uh, five foot nine. The, the, all of these different notes that you're adding, it, it narrows down. It gets a lot more specific. The comprehension, that is the number of things you know about the thing, is increased, but the extension is lessened. So these are these uh, this idea of comprehension, extension, notes, species, genus. So I hope all of these things uh, are... Uh, kind of come into your uh, mind, but really the porphyrian tree is going to tell you all you need to know. You should study this porphyrian tree uh, very, uh, very closely. So now when it comes to extension, I think this is the, nope, this is the second to last slide. So extension is a term, uh, a term can be extended in two ways. It can be distri uh, dist distributed, sorry, distributed. So in this, it applies to every object which it can apply to. And this is going to be very important in logic because people will try to use undistributed terms within, um, within logical syllogisms, which we'll get into, I think, next time. So a term can be distributed. So in this, the term applies to every object which it can apply to. Thus, when we say all men are creatures, we mean every man is a creature. So we include every single individual in that species uh, has that note of creature.
And then second, a term can be undistributed. So in this, the term expresses something particular. So thus, when we say there are men in this house, we mean there are some men in this house. We are not saying when we use the term men in here that all men or every man is in this house. Rather, we are not distributing the term. So we're only including a few individuals, and we're just giving a note that is common to these individuals, but not common to the species. It's not common to the species of men that they are in this particular house. Rather, it is uh, the, the note which is included in the specific difference of the species is, happens to be common to these various individuals. So in the first sense, it's distributed. In the second sense, it's undistributed. And I guess I will actually um, give an example. So <clears throat> if we say Socrates is a man, um, men are American, therefore Socrates is American. In the first sense, Socrates is a man, <clears throat> the term is distributed. In the second, uh, in, this, in the minor premise, the term is undistributed. Because what we mean by men are American is we mean that some men are American. We don't mean that all men are American. We mean some men are American. So the conclusion doesn't follow because men in the major and the minor premise, which we'll learn later, are not used in the same sense. So I hope that... I hope that uh, illustrates for you that these terms, these uh, concepts will be useful later. I promise they will be useful later. This is very uh, confusing right now, but I promise uh, once we start actually using these concepts, they will become a lot more clear. And then last, uh, we can use, we can distribute a term to multiple objects in different ways. So first we can univocally. So uh, for example, I am white and this cup this uh, mug in my hand right now, although you can't see me, this mug in my hand is white. White is being used univocally. That is, it's being used in the same exact sense. Second, terms can be used equivocally. That means they are completely different. So uh, really, it's just the sound that's the same. So I am white and uh, James's last name is white. So in the first sense, it's referring to a color. In the second sense, it's referring to a proper name. What does uh, the last name white have to do with the color white? Well, nothing. It doesn't have anything to do except maybe some etymological uh, sort of ways of, of thinking. Uh, but otherwise, there is no connection to these terms. They're completely different. And then in the third sense, which uh, analogous is a species of, uh, of equivocal, but we'll get into, get into that uh, different uh to get into that later. Actually, we might not actually get into that later. This is more of like a doctrine of God a question to get into. And it's not really uh, helpful for our, for our uh, purposes. But when we get into analogous terms, it's kind of the same, but also it's kind of different. So let's, uh, I, I, can't, I couldn't think of a term of a, uh, of a white. Um, actually, I, I can think of, think of, uh, think of, um, so an example. So if we think of a detergent or a, a bleach, it may be whitening. Now, if you've ever looked at most uh, uh, bleach, if I'm remembering correctly, actually, I'm not sure if this is true, but at least I've seen some bleach. It's whitening, but it's not white. If you look at the bleach, it's actually clear. Now, how can we refer to the bleach as whitening? Now, it's not white, so it's not being used in the same sense that I'm white. 
but also it has some sort of connection to whiteness in that it causes whiteness. So it has some sort of connection to white, but it's also not white. So this would be something which is analogous. It's kind of the same, but it's also kind of different. And this specifically is uh, referring to uh, what's called an analogy of attribution, but um, that is for really advanced logic. It's not for uh, intro to logic. So that's all I have. Uh, thank you. And uh, looking forward